Right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor, and it's my privilege to have all of you in the house. Everybody watching online, especially our Lawrenceburg campus, can we show them some love? Lawrenceburg, it's good to have you guys. Well, listen, how many of you here, last week, right, it was Easter Sunday, how many of you here, uh, you either gave away or you received an Easter basket? Come on. How many of you here, let's be honest, how many of you here, you received an Easter basket? There's some adults in the house. How many of you received an Easter basket? I love the no shame in your game. Happy birthday page yesterday, by the way. No shame. We're a family of Easter baskets, right? I'm not sure how it evolved, but there was a time like it was just for kids. Now somehow Easter's become the second Christmas, right? It used to be just small gifts of, of candy. Now like people almost double up on Easter and pay big dollars but coming up, for all of you that came up and you did the Easter basket thing as a child, there were two kind of major food groups in the Easter basket, right? There were the hard-boiled eggs and there was the candy. And the hard-boiled eggs was kind of weird because I remember like we would actually decorate the hard-boiled eggs and then your parents would put it in the basket. Like, does that count as a gift? I decorated those. Like, you can't give those to me. But the best thing about the candy by far was this item right here. The chocolate Easter bunny. Come on, anybody here give some love to the chocolate Easter bunny. I mean, this thing was great because you could munch on this thing for a couple weeks, and everybody knows there's only one way to eat a chocolate Easter bunny. And you start first with the, see, everybody knows. Put toilet paper so it rolls over the top, not underneath, and you start with the ears. You don't start with the feet. I mean, that's just like Jesus, ears, toilet paper over the top. I mean, that's just how it is. So, man, we would love it. You would get this thing. You would eat through the eggs. You would have all the other stuff. But you would have the solid chocolate Easter bunny for a long time. But every now and then, you would face the Easter morning disappointment. You'd go to your basket, and you didn't get this guy, right? Somehow, I don't know if Santa was communicating how good I was that year, but every now and then, you wouldn't get this guy. You would get this guy. And here's the crazy thing. This guy looks like this guy. They're called the same name. They're chocolate Easter bunnies. But all it takes is one bite out of this guy and one bite out of this guy to know this guy's a joker. This guy's a phony because this guy, come on, is hollow. I mean, I don't know. Was I bad? Did dad have a bad, like, paycheck that week? I don't know what happened, but he wasn't this guy. There's something about the shallow, hollow Easter Bunny. Man, we just got finished singing this song. Man, can we show some love for Brody and Johnny? What a great <laughs> rendition. There's something about the shallow. There's something about this idea of the shallow, that things look one way on the surface. Things look the same on the outside, but they're different on the inside. There's something about this call on all of our lives to live beyond the shallow. And today, for a few minutes, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus taught. In fact, personally, it truly is one of my favorite parables. A parable, if you're new to spiritual things, if you're new to church, is Jesus would take something that was common to culture, was familiar to society, and he would leverage that thing to teach a spiritual principle. So if you're new here and you're like, hey, why are we singing a secular song in church? We do that for the exact same reason Jesus taught the way he taught. We've taken a song that most of you are familiar with, and we're leveraging it to teach a spiritual principle. And so Jesus teaches this principle or this parable. It's called the parable of the sower. 
And in the parable of the sower, what Jesus takes that's common or familiar in culture is this idea of farming. Now, not a lot of us are farmers here, but we at least understand the concept. In first century Middle East, like everybody was very familiar with the idea of farming. And here's basically what Jesus did. Jesus took the idea of a farmer putting seed in the ground and a plant coming out. He compared that to him preaching and God's word going into a heart and life change coming out. Come on. But here's what he really, where he really dug in is that he taught that in this parable there were four different soils that determined four different outcomes or crop harvests. And in the four different soils, basically what he taught was this, that there was, there's hard soil that the seed can't even get into. There's soil that's shallow and rocky. There's soil that's weed infested. And then there's good soil. And it's good soil that produces the best crop. And he compares it this, and here's, here's the idea is this, if you're taking notes, that the quality of the harvest is connected to the condition of the soil. That how good the harvest is, how successful the plant is, how big the crop is, doesn't have to do with the seed, it has to do with the soil. Now this helps me out, it may not help you out, but it's good news to me, because Christians leave churches all the time and blame the pastor, you're not feeding me. I'm not getting fed. That's not a deep enough word. And what Jesus is really clear about as he's teaching this, is this idea, the issue in the, soil, in the seed, it's the soil. It's not the preacher, it's the heart of the hearer. Oh, you ain't going to help me, but I'll applaud that one. Go ahead, preacher. You're preaching that one good. So he's saying you can't point and say, hey, it's, it's, it's not what's around you. It's what's in you that's determining what's happening. It's the heart you possess that determines the life you express. It's your heart. And so Jesus is saying, man, the seed's the same. The power of God's word going in, in every heart is the same seed. But what's determining how we experience life change? What's determining how we walk out different? What's determining how God is transforming us and changing us isn't the quality of the seed, it's the condition of our hearts. And so for a few minutes, I want to talk about a lot of us in this room, including myself at times, that we are living in the shahahahalo. Come on. We're living in the shallow. In fact, Jesus, he calls out this entire uh, group of people. If you have your Bible in Matthew chapter 13, in this parable, I just want to talk today for a few minutes about this one piece of soil, this one heart issue that maybe some of us in this room are struggling with. Matthew chapter 13, verse 5 and verse 6, Jesus gives the parable portion. He gives the farming version. He says this, other seeds fell on, come on, everybody say that word, shallow soil with underlying rock. And the seed sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon withered under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. And then Jesus gives the interpretation of what he's talking about. Again, he says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those that don't have, uh, that hear the message immediately, receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. You can have the appearance of a plant without the reality of the roots. Like we live in a society, everybody knows this is true, we live in a presentation population. We live in a skin-deep society. I mean, we probably see it best in social media. Like it shouldn't be called social media. Like we should change it because the reality is most of the pictures for us who post on social media 
is like, it's a bunch of caricatures. It's not the real us. I mean, it looks like us, it resembles us, but it's not us because we put our best foot forward on social media. I'm from back in the day where we had the Kodak one snap. Come on, someone's got to help me where it had, the, it had the cube and you had four shots and you got 12 pictures on a roll of film. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? So you had one shot. If your eyes was closed, if you had something on your face, it went in the family photo album forever. You look like a moron. But that's how we were. Now, come on, now any picture you see of my family, let me just give you the background, and I would guess it's probably similar to your family because we're in the presentation population. That's not the first shot. That's like number 58. In every picture, I got to pass it around the table, and everybody has to sign a legal form produced by their attorneys releasing me to post that on my social media. If I, paste, if I post a picture of one of my kids without their approval, true, it's a lawsuit. Like, people, they lose their mind. Why? Because, hey, I don't like that shot. I don't like that angle. I'm kind of blinking. I look funny. It's crazy because we take all of these pictures because we want to make sure what we post presents perfection. But how many people know that none of us are perfect? But again, we are all about the shallow, skin-deep society, pulling off this perfection and posting it to people, that we got it all together. And the truth is, the truth is it's just not true. If that's what people see, but there's more to us than meets the eye. My favorite picture, I've started to see these pop up. I think they've been around for a while, and I've started to see them pop up, people making fun of them. And if this is you, this is your pastor telling you to stop it. The women that wake up in the morning, and they take a picture of them laying in bed. Uh, just, I just got up. Really, you just got up? Because uh, I got a wife, and that don't come easy. I mean, you got your hairs all made up. You got your war paint on. You know, all the, you know, when you sleep, you get maps on your face. All those are gone, and you're holding a hot cup of coffee. Come on, that took like, you've been up since 5 a.m. But we want people to think like, you woke up perfect. You woke up beautiful. You float on clouds like you never blink. Because there's no blinks in pics like, I never blink. Come on, listen. I want you to know something, that we are great at the shallow we are great at fooling people around us. We're great at presenting, presenting all the time our perfection. But the reality is Jesus came to get into the deep. Jesus came to deal with not just the outside but the inside, not just what's going on around us but what's going on in us. Jesus didn't come to deal with our image but to deal with our character. And the only way this thing really matters isn't if we show up and tell everybody, I'm fine, I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. Parking lot, how are you today? Fine. <laughs> Greeter holding the door. Hey, welcome to Faith Church. We hope you're good today. I'm good. Get a cup of coffee. Anybody here thankful for the caffeine queen back in the cafe? <laughs> Miss Crystal and her team. Woo. Here's your, here's your cappuccino. Have a good day. I hope you're well. I'm fine. Usher's holding doors. Welcome to Faith Church. Hope you're good today. I'm fine. You bunch of liars, you're not fine. You yelled at your wife, kicked your dog, cussed because the car cut you off. <laughs> but everybody's fine. Now, I'm not telling you we should go through life and tell every person our problems. People will run from you. <laughs> not every conversation needs to be a counseling session. But the reality is, come on, can we, just, can we just say this together? I'm not fine. I'm not fine. You're not fine. I'm not fine. I got issues. You got issues. But as long as we keep putting forth to everybody and showing up Sunday morning and living our life in a relationship with God, 
only allowing him in the shallow, we will have a shallow faith that doesn't lead to a changed life. And Jesus didn't come to make you look good. He came to make you live good. Come on. So Jesus, he dealt with a whole generation, a whole group of people that were known for living in the shallow, that were known for fooling people with what people saw and not really what was going on in their hearts. In fact, in Matthew, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus calls this group of people out, and hopefully you'll notice right away, maybe, just maybe, we could be lumped into this group. Matthew 23, verse 25 to 29, Jesus says to this group of people, he says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside, you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you're like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Just real quick, Jesus, the, the problem Jesus has with hypocrisy is this. Hypocrisy is not having struggles, but hiding struggles. Everybody has struggles, but when we, we live in the shallow and we present ourselves as perfect and having it all together, that's where Jesus has a problem. And what I want you to know, the group of people that he's dealing with that are living in the shallow are the religious people of his day. Jesus didn't start on the street. He started in the synagogue. He didn't start challenging culture. He started challenging church people because the church people were great at showing up and putting on a show, representing all of this stuff to everybody who saw them, that their life was in order. Peter comes along later, and Peter says this. Peter says, for the time has come for judgment. Probably not a verse underlined in anybody's Bible in here. And he says this, and it must begin where? For real? That's all y'all going to give me, huh? That's it. Where's it got to begin at? Where's it begin? God's house. Isn't it funny how quick we point to the outside and everybody out there and all those people and all them people, and they need to change, and they need to stop it, and they need to quit living that way, and they need to quit sleeping with those people, and they need to quit talking that way, and they need to quit doing those things. And Jesus is like, you need to quit talking about they and start talking about we. 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 Because we are a people that live in the shallow. And Jesus came. Jesus came, again, not to, not to give you a better image, but to give you a better character. We're concerned with looking right. Jesus is concerned with us living right. And that will only change if you allow God to get into the deep part of your heart. If you allow him to get in to the spaces that really matter in how you live and the decisions you make. See, I don't know about Lawrenceburg. Maybe you guys... In Lawrenceburg, here in Florence, this is something we've heard for, 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 for years. If I've heard this once, truly I've heard it a thousand times uh, since I've been in ministry, that people will come to church and they'll express this at some point, that, hey, I, I came, I had a good time, I, I was so glad that I felt comfortable. We don't, we don't have a lot of money here. We didn't have nice clothes, and I felt, I felt okay being me. I didn't feel like we had to put on a show. I didn't feel like we had to dress up in suits and dresses. Where, where did that come from, 
that people believe that you got to put on a three-piece suit to show up in church. There's nothing wrong with wearing your best for God, but let's be honest. The issue is we're not wearing our best to impress God. We're we're wearing our best to impress people. And when you start trying to impress people, you're missing the point of heart change because we're measuring the wrong thing. We ought to be fighting for the approval of God and not the approval of people. And this is what Jesus called out in the religious. Like, hey, they they were so concerned with winning the approval of people. What do people think of you? What do people think? What do people think when they see you? And when you're living in the appearance, you're just living in the shallow. The apostle Paul, he wrestled with this. And he he later wrote this rhetorical question. He said, am I trying to win the approval of people or God? And here's what I found out. Paul clearly was living his life for the approval of God. But for myself, sometimes I feel like sometimes I'm trying to do what pleases people. And I know this is true. Typically, if I'm pleasing people, I'm not pleasing God. But if I live my life to please God, I will almost always live a life that honors and pleases people. And so you just got to decide because our roots define our reason. When you allow the roots of what God's doing, when you allow your faith to get down past the shallow into the deep, your roots begin to define your reason. Why do we live the way we live? Why do you do what you do? You know, you can do the wrong thing. And you know, you can also do the right thing for the wrong reason, and it's still the wrong thing. So it's not just about what we do, it's why we do it. Why do you give? Why do you serve? Why do you pray? Why do you come to church? Why do you do it because people are looking, or do we do it because God's looking? Because guys, I want you to know something. Jesus came that the power of the gospel, the presence and the power of God getting into our life would get past the shallow religious church issues where we keep fighting to impress people and where we experience real life change, that we stop saying everything's fine. I'm not fine. I'm jacked up. But God can come in your jacked up session and season and God can change your life. God can restore your marriage. God can restore your heart. God can set people free from addictions. God can get you beyond the unhealthy habits. God has the power to change and transform lives, but only if he gets into the deep. If your faith is shallow, your life is superficial because we're just doing it for the wrong reason. The difference between superficial and supernatural, Christianity is more than a weekly calendar event. It's not just about where you go after you die. It's about how you live before you die. Our faith doesn't just inform us who God is. It should inform us who we are. And it doesn't just define his character, but should define our character as well. And see, once you allow your roots to define your reason, your reason, your reason starts to define your reward. I don't want reward from men. Jesus, he talked about this. Like, you can get your reward from men or your reward from God. How many people know that God's a better rewarder? When we live, our goal is to impress people. When people applaud us and people celebrate us and people think everything, okay, that's our reward. I want a reward from God. It's life change. It's people change. And God says, the only way you're going to get that, Jesus is saying, the only way you're going to get that is if you allow the seed, if you allow the word of God to get not just in your ears, but down into your heart. And you allow it into the deep places of your life. If you're taking notes, this is really important. Roots matter more than the plant. Come on, we all know it's true. Isn't it, is this the favorite time of year for anybody? How do you go, this is your favorite time of year? 
I hate this time of the year. I love, I love it's warm out, the cold snaps are probably gone, but grass is growing and so are weeds, and I despise every second of it. I like to tell you that I live beyond peer pressure. That's not true. I don't mow my lawn until my neighbors do, and once they start mowing it, I feel like, well, I guess I better, lower, I better mow it too because I'm going to lower the property values if I don't. Come on, anybody here that way? And not just mowing lawn, but weed whacking, like, what a waste of time. If I had the money, I'd get turf put in. I'm just telling you. We're going to take an offering for pastor's turf. Anybody in? <laughs> and then the worst part, and some of you know this, the worst part is trying to kill the weeds. Several years ago, I, I got some weed killer. And trying to squirt 8,974 weeds in your yard only makes you cuss. That's all it does. It doesn't kill any weeds. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. By the end, I'm telling you, I'm going like this. And about three days after the weed killer set in, it looked like someone had written in cursive all over my yard and didn't kill a single weed, just killed the grass. But here's the thing. You all know this. When you pull a weed out of the ground, it's not enough just to pull the weed out of the ground. You got to pull what? The roots out of the ground. Here's why. The roots are more important to the plant because if you have a plant without roots, it's not going to live. Jesus makes that point. If you don't have roots in your life, that plant, your faith will not survive. But if you have roots, the plant's always going to come back. The depth of your roots determines the durability of your faith. Show me somebody where God's done something real in their life, where he's transformed you, where you've gone through difficult seasons and God has showed up. And I'll show you somebody, no matter the storms that come, you'll be locked in and grounded in your faith in Jesus Christ. And so I want you to know something. Having roots is what gives you durability. It's what gives us strength. It's what gives us health. When the winds blow and the storms come, something with roots will continue to stand. Are you standing when life comes? Here's what David said. David said this in the Old Testament in, in Psalm 69, verse 1 and 2. He said this. He said, save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I would venture to say probably some of us in this room, this is maybe how we have felt, maybe how you felt. One of the things that, that I say around here on the regular is life happens. Life happens. Some of the things that we do as a church to serve our community, we, we don't ever do it thinking, well, tomorrow we're going to have a bunch more people show up. We've done, if you've not been here very long, we've done Easter egg hunts with helicopters dropping eggs and skydivers jumping out. We've done fall festivals with 10, 15, close to 20,000 people on campus, all free. We regularly serve in our community nonprofits and people. We help people who are struggling financially, and we never do it thinking, well, they're going to be in church tomorrow. We do it because we want to love people. But here's what we know. Life happens, which means they're going to go pay their light bill. They're going to show up and eat a free hot dog. They're going to show up and their kids are going to gather eggs, and they're going to go back to life. But when life happens, when they get the bad news, when they get the doctor report, when they go through a bad marriage season, and they're looking for help, our heart is that they're going to think, what was that church? What was that church we were at? And they're going to come here, and we're going to love them, and we're going to present Jesus to them, and we're going to believe God to change their life and their heart. Come on, somebody. Life happens.
So some of you in this room, life's happening, and you're struggling. And you know why? Because you got the presentation down. You got the appearance down. Everybody's convinced you got it all together. And, man, you have a storm in your life. And Jesus is saying the plant looks great, but where's the roots? You got to allow the roots of your faith to get down. And we do this thing, and I don't know if you guys do this, but I've done this in my life where I pray that God will reach some part of my life, but God, don't touch that part. God, I need your help here, but don't tell me how to live life there. God, I need you to help me with my money, but don't talk to me about my relationship. Come on, anybody here that way? Hey, God, I need you to get me a job, but don't tell me what I should be watching on TV. God, help me in this, in this area, but Lord, don't tell me how I should treat my wife. It's like we got these areas where we don't want God to touch us. I want you to know something. Jesus didn't come to access the areas of your life you give him permission to. Jesus came to transform our life. That's all of it. That's money, relationship, habits, hobbies. It's everything we are, everything we say, everything we do. God wants the roots of his love and power to impact every part of our life because that's where life change happens. And so, man, storms are coming and life's going to happen, but the depth of our faith has to run deeper than our trouble. If your trouble's deeper than your faith, you're in trouble. But when you allow the root to get down past the shallow into the deep parts of your life, come what may, you'll stand. So the best thing I can tell you today is make room for roots. Everybody say that. Make room for roots. Notice what Jesus says in the parable He doesn't really just talk about a shallow soil. He talks about a stony soil. He says the reason the soil in this one particular parable, the reason that the plant doesn't have any roots isn't just because the soil is shallow. He's saying because it's rocky, it's stony. There's so many stones in that area that the roots can't penetrate it. And again, it takes us back to this place that, man, there's some areas, and the stony part is the stuff we get hard-hearted about. The stuff God keeps talking to us about and we keep ignoring him. Where he keeps challenging us and we keep plugging our ears. Where he keeps speaking to us and we just don't want to listen. And God says, man, those areas starts causing your heart to get hard. And man, the gospel can't get in. The roots can't go down deep and change you and grow you. And so, man, I think probably most of us in this room would say, man, I want want to grow. I I want to be everything that God's called me to be. I want to walk in the life that he came to bring me. I want to experience the joy that he promised me. I want to walk in the life that he died for me. Come on, does anybody here want everything that Jesus died for? Everything he came to deliver, everything he promised. He said it's yes and amen, but it's only going to happen if you'll make room for roots, which means this, excavation has to come before elevation. You got to allow God to dig down into your life you got to allow him to excavate some issues before you ever elevate. Not on every scenario, but typically most buildings, you can, you can determine how deep a foundation is by how high a building is. The higher you want the building to go, the deeper the foundation has to go. And if you want God to do something really big in your life, if you got, want God to do something really significant in your life, the only way the elevation is going to happen is if first you allow the excavation. God, come and dig out those issues in my heart. God, come and make room for the roots. Come and make room for your presence. Come and make room for your power. I want everybody here to know something. I love everything we do in this church. I love who we are. I love who God's made us to be. I love that we're growing and growing and growing. I love new faces. Lawrenceburg, I love our campus. I love it all. 
But I want you to know, at the end of the day, if we come and we drink great coffee and hug people we love and we sing songs we enjoy, and it's all great, but the power and the presence of God doesn't get into your heart, it's for nothing. It's all a show. It's all a presence population. It's all a skin-deep society. And we want and we need the power and the presence of God to go deep into our lives and change us and transform us, to bring us life and to make us the people that he came to make us to be. That's what we need. And so the greatest prayer we can pray is, Lord, help me to make room for roots. Help me to make room for roots. And here's the crazy part. When I was, uh, first place I was a youth pastor at, after I took the job as a youth pastor and said yes, it wasn't until I got there that the guy told me, my pastor told me I had to do kids ministry too. I'm reliving my response when he told me that because I, I have three kids and I still don't like kids. I didn't like any when I didn't have any. I was like, I had to do kids ministry? Like, I'm called a youth ministry. I love youth. But until they get like 11 or 12, I don't really like them. And so, but, you know, I mean, I got into a groove and leadership is leadership. Leadership principles apply anywhere you go. It's a fact. So I just led this team, built this team, loved these kids. And, but here's the thing is, man, kids... Kids' ministry, they break it all down real simple. And I remember a song that we used to sing. It was, it was the song, Joy. Got joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Hey, down in my heart. And joy, joy stood for three things. J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and you. And it's important because as we live our life, we should be living our lives for Jesus first, for others next, and then for ourselves last. A lot of us are living our lives for Yuzja. It's like we're living for yourselves and others and then maybe Jesus. But here's the thing. When you're living, when you're living for others, see, here's, here's my desire. I, I want what you see here to be what you see driving down the road and to see what you see if we bump into each other at Walmart. Then I don't pretend to be perfect because I'm not perfect, but I want the roots of God to get into my life the same way I want them to get into your See, I, I don't want to be this. I don't want to be hollow and shallow, that I look good on the outside, but I ain't got nothing on the inside. People are going to come this week and take a bite of you in conversation. They're going to watch you from afar. And some of you, this is all you are. You look good, but there's nothing underneath. God wants us to be this right here, true through and through. Hi, people in this room and say, Pastor, I want to get past the shallow. Come on. I want to get past the shallow in my life. I want to stop playing games and putting on appearances. I want the deep in my life. Anybody like chocolate? All right, wait. You put it on your mirror as a reminder. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that, that right here, come on, that the excavation begins, that God's going to start digging down. God's going to start moving the stony places, and the root of the truth in our faith is going to start moving down. How many people want that? Come on. So, Father, 
in the name of Jesus. We love you today and we thank you for your promise. Your promise to love us in the mess. And so, Lord, I pray that, God, we would get beyond presentation. And, Lord, I pray that we would open our hearts and our lives to power that will transform us. God, help us to get past image and, God, to start deal with character. I pray, God, dig out the stony parts in our life. Excavate the garbage out, the hard parts where we've not let you in. And I pray, Lord, let your power and your presence invade every area of our lives in the name of Jesus. Lord, that life change would come out of us. So for every person, every situation, I pray over some of you in this room that you're struggling in ways that nobody knows, and it's not because you've tried to put on a front. It's because you couldn't describe it if you tried. You're in a season of hurt and confusion and pain that you can't articulate, and I pray that the presence of God would come and his strength would minister to you, and he would make a change that in your own ability you'll never bring. So, Lord, I invite you to come into every situation, every heart, every home, every marriage, every financial decision, every word we speak, every thought that we think. The power of the gospel would change us to be the people that you created us and called us to be. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agrees said amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week for week three, Explicit Lyrics.